The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. If you will, I know she would appreciate that, and you can rejoice with her when the baby does come. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Let's read that together. So if you turn in your Bible, look at it together. We'll read it together. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Ready? Here it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I'm going to speak this morning on first things first. First things first. You know, it's very important that uh, we understand the need of salvation and receiving Christ first and establishing a relationship with God. It's very important that uh, we do other things first. And, you know, if I was a dad and I uh, wrote a list to my children and I said on the list, here's your to-do list for this morning here's your to-do list for the afternoon here's your to-do list for the evening I would hope that they would go down the list look at the priority and the one that had the number one beside it they would do first uh, it is good to be able to operate if you will uh, on that which is important and do the important things First. Now, there's several times in our Bible that God says some things that you and I as believers ought to consider doing first. Now, if God is going to tell me that something is important to do first, I want to sit up and I want to pay attention. Because if God says these are the first things I want you to do, then may I tell you they must be very important. And so we're going to look at some first things that God tells believers to do. Uh, God says, now that you're saved, I'm going to give you priorities. Now that you're saved, I'm going to tell you what I want you to do first in your life. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of these first things this morning. Statement number one, uh, we see this, first cleanse the inside of the cup. Now, this is dealing with the uh, Pharisees, if you will. Uh, they were uh, religious on the outside, but filthy on the inside. So you and I, we can't clean ourselves up in order to become Christians. What happens is we need to let God clean us up. How do we do that? We do that by first establishing a relationship with God through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, you can try and work your way to heaven all you want to. You'd be baptized until you're waterlogged and float to the top. But if a person and never receives Christ as Savior, they're not going to go to heaven. They're going to burn in hell. All right? So it's important that a person uh, do the first thing first. What is that? That's cleaning the inside of the cup. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, the Bible says, but you're all, it says, as un an unclean thing. And all, it says, our righteousness is as filthy rags that uh, uh, fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind that is taken away. The Bible says about the young man over in Psalm 119 and verse 9, Wherewithal shall young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to thy word. Then he says about the Pharisees, Matthew chapter 23 and verse 26. The Bible says, Thou blind Pharisee, listen to it now, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean 
also. And so the Bible teaches that a person ought to be clean on the inside. Now, you can't do anything in order to be saved. I, I preached at the Sword of Lord uh, Conference, the National Sword of Lord Conference, and I had the privilege to preach on July 24th. Well, on July 24th, 40 years ago, I bowed my heart as an 18-year-old boy, and I asked Jesus Christ to be my savior. Couldn't work my way to heaven, couldn't try to earn heaven, couldn't try to become religious in order to merit heaven. The only way a person could ever be saved is to understand they're a sinner, lost and undone, need of a savior, and understand there's one savior of the world. There's not two, there's not three, there's not four. One savior of the world. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 6, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me so there's not two ways to heaven three four or five ways to heaven there's only one and that's Jesus Christ aren't you glad this morning that you received Christ as Savior Amen. aren't you glad this morning that you have a, a now a way to heaven the only way is Jesus Christ and that's the eternal one that saved you you don't have to get saved over and over and over again aren't you glad in the book of John chapter 3 he says you must be born again he didn't say you must be born again again and again and again and again and again is not a perpetual state of being it's a one-time experience of receiving Jesus Christ as Savior and so the Bible talks here about the cleansing of the inside of the cup first how do you do that you allow the one that can cleanse you Jesus Christ to be the one that cleanses you Luke chapter 5 and in verse 12 the Bible talks about here was a man full of leprosy he came he fell down uh, there and uh, his face towards the ground the Bible says that the Lord saw him and he said uh, he says if thou wilt thou canst make me clean he said to the Lord and the Bible says in Ma uh, book of Luke chapter 5 and verse 13 and he put forth his hand and he touched him and he said I will be thou clean and immediately the leprosy departed from him see when Jesus Christ comes into your life he immediately starts to clean it up that's why a person when they get saved they're excited about Bible preaching that's why a person when they get saved they're excited about reading the Bible a person when they get saved hey they're excited about coming to church they're excited about the things of God why because you once were lost you once were bound in sin now you're set free once you're saved you're saved forever and you can rejoice about that on a hot day in Texas I'm saying this, here's what we see. We're seeing this morning about first things first. What do you do? First, uh, cleanse the inside of the cup. Uh, years ago, there was a Marine, he was a friend of mine, uh, and uh, he came to my office and, he and, uh, uh, he and his pastor decided to give me a, a very special present and they gave me a sword. On the sword, it's written this, earned, never given. Every time I'd see that sword that I used to hang on my wall, I uh, would be reminded about salvation. Salvation is given, never earned. Uh, can I tell you, once a person understands their need of Christ, understands that only Christ can be the one to save them, and they receive Christ as Savior, God begins to work on the inside. God, I am so glad I'm saved. I'm glad you're saved. You say, well, I'm not perfect. I've never met a perfect uh, saved person. 
Uh, but Brother Wells, I don't have everything in order. I've never met a Christian that's had everything in order. But one thing you can rejoice about is once you're saved, you're always saved. Amen. Statement number one, first cleanse the inside of the cup. Statement number two, uh, first give yourself to God. You know, once you get saved, you ought to want to serve God and give God every portion of your life. The Bible says, and you know this verse well, uh, the book of Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And here's the, uh, the verse that goes in connection with that that most of you have memorized. Verse 2, the Bible says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So God says this. God said we're not supposed to be conformed to the world. A person that's conforming to the world is not letting God transform their mind. The more you let God trans... See, I, I think we do this. We preach a lot about being separated from the world. I heard this last week, but very little about being separated onto God. And I think that you can't have one without the other. I, I think if you have a desire to be separated onto God, automatically you'll wind up being separated from the world. Because God is holy. And the more that you want to be close to God, the more he changes you on the inside out. So we understand that here the Bible talks about how a person, uh, they ought to give themselves to God first. I'm amazed at how Dallas Metro is growing. Last year, we grew by over 140,000 people. 140,000 people. That's larger than most towns around America. And that was just the people coming here. People are coming here from all walks of life, from all sorts of different backgrounds, even coming here from uh, different countries around the world. You say, why is that happening? I believe a part of that is because uh, uh, God knows that there's some caring people at Parkside Baptist Church and other churches that give the gospel clearly so that people can hear the gospel and be able to respond to that which is the good news of Jesus Christ. But can I tell you, there's more people coming than we can reach. Yeah, you know, I've been praying in my office, God send labors, God send labors, God send labors. Uh, why? Because that which is the field is white already onto harvest, but the labors are few. Can you imagine if there was more soul winners uh, going out? Uh, I had the privilege to speak at uh, uh, the conference, and Kevin Wynn uh, uh, was one of the speakers that was there at the conference, and he was telling me how many hundreds and hundreds of soul winners go out every single week of the world. Why? Because he has a burden for where God called him to that place that's called Mexico. Oh, and I'm praying so earnestly, God, send labors to Dallas area. Why? Because it's a mission field. You say, but there's lots of churches here. There's lots of churches here that uh, have people in the pew, but they don't have soul winners on the street. And they come together and they have the teaching and they have the preaching, but somebody needs to reach that little bitty girl, that little bitty boy, that teenager, uh, that uh, man or that woman that's out there living in a trailer park someplace or high-rise apartment building or somebody's living in a housing development. Somebody needs to go to the people that live on the streets and sleep under the bridges can I tell you listen there's a call if you would to put God first in your life 
Statement number one, I'm saying the first call, or if you would please, the first thing that uh, I'm pointing out this morning is to cleanse the inside of the cup. Uh, statement number two, uh, first, give yourself to God. We're looking at different firsts that's mentioned in the Bible. Uh, uh, number next, uh, first be reconciled to your brother. Mm, we have a good church. We have a good spirit in our church. I think overall, large percentage of the people, members of Parkside Baptist Church, love God, love each other. But if you let things creep up in between you and a brother or sister here, then that's your fault. But God tells us how to handle it. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23. The Bible says, therefore, it says, uh, if uh, thou bring, it says, thy gift to the altar, and there remember that thy brother have aught against thee. So you come to the altar, you bring your gift to the altar, and while you're praying, you, you realize that there's uh, somebody out there that has aught, not you having aught against them. That's not what the Bible says. But somebody out there has aught against you. When God brings that to your attention, you're supposed to go to that person. Now here's how he says to do it. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 24 says, leave there thy gift before the altar. Say, why does God do that? Because he might not trust you to come back and give it. Or he might say, well, you know, it might take you a long time. That way you don't forget to give it. But he said, just leave it there at the altar. The Bible says, go thy way first and be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. So God says, you're praying at the altar and all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost of God brings it across your remembrance. Wow, that person, they're having difficulty with you. Uh, maybe they've been hurt. Uh, maybe they're angry towards you. Maybe they have unforgiveness towards you. Maybe they have sinned uh, towards you. But there's something inside of that person that you realize that they themselves have ought against you. Now the Bible says in Matthew chapter 18, it doesn't say put it on Facebook. You, those of you that's out there and you're having Facebook wars, I hope somebody rips your face off because you're not supposed to do that. Amen. No, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 18, you're supposed to go to them and them alone. So you go to that person alone and you say, look, uh, I feel just like the, there's something between us and I want to be able to make it right. By the way, young people, if you do that with your parents, you wouldn't have walls that would build up between you and your parents. If you would do that to leaders in ministry, you would not have walls that would build up between you and ministry leaders. If you did that with your friends, you would not have walls that would build up between you and those that you call friends. See, the Bible is very clear. We're not supposed to try and figure it out ourselves. We're simply supposed to obey the Bible. So you go to that person and say, look, we need to work on something here. We need to make it right. All of a sudden, I'm hanging around Brother Butler, and I see that he gets poochie lip disease. Every time I go up to him and try and shake his hand, he looks down, and he doesn't look me in the eye. I try and shake his hand, and, he, you know, he's got that despair. Uh, Despicable position that he holds and, uh, and a, a disposition if you will an attitude if you will I realize something's wrong and I say hey brother look are we okay we alright is there something we can pray about have I done something to hurt you by the way if you want relationships right you have to work at it 
If I go to kiss my wife and she runs to the neighbor's house, probably something wrong. <laughs> my she loves the neighbor. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but if I go to hold my wife's hand and she's pulling it away all the time, probably something's wrong. Probably when you go to have a conversation with your teenager and they're always running to their room, there's probably something wrong. Probably with your boss, whenever you go to work and you're trying to build a good relationship with your boss and he never wants, she never wants to talk to you, probably something wrong. So we're supposed to take and work on those relationships. First, uh, cast, uh, it talks here, if you will. Uh, first, you be that person that cleanses the inside of the cup. First, you be the person that draws nigh to God. First, you be the person, if you would please, that is reconciled to your brother. Let me give you one that I skipped that's very important, and that is this. Uh, uh, cast the beam out of your own eye. Be, uh, come on, before you go to a brother and try and cast the moat out, cast the beam out of your own eye. Uh, a moat would be sort of like, uh, you, you know, you work in a lumber yard and there's uh, speckles of dust that gets in your eye, kind of irritates you a little bit. But God said you're supposed to take the moat a whole lot bigger than a speckle of dust out of your eye. Before you go to a brother, and try to cast the beam, if you would, or try to cast, uh, 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 you, you take the, the beam out of your own eye before you go to a brother and try and take the moat out of his eye as the Bible teaching. To make sure we're completely accurate, look at it in your scripture. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible is talking about how to make that relationship right. What is it that you can do to be able to make that relationship right? Listen to it, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 3. The Bible says, And why beholdest thou the mote uh, that is in uh, thy brother's eye? The Bible says, But considerest thou the beam that is in thy own eye. If I was going to go into surgery and I asked the doctor, Hey, how many surgeries have you performed? And he says, You're the first one. So I'm the first one. He says, Yeah, and I'm having trouble. Pray for me, he says, because I'm having trouble. My vision is blurred. And so I'm just really praying that it goes well for you. I think I would say, I'm getting off of the table. Have a good day. I'm going to go drink coffee, and it'll be okay. You know, but here's what, here's what the problem is. We have all these things that's going on in our own life, and we nitpick little things that's going on in other people's lives. But yet... We need to draw a circle around ourselves and say, Lord, it's me standing in the need of prayer. God, work on me. I stop being somebody. It's always uh, just, uh, well, you need to get that right. You need to get that. Hey, let the preacher do the preaching. He'll get enough people mad without you pretending you're the preacher. Now, I'm saying this. Here's what we understand. Uh, God is telling us to first uh, cast the, 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 if you would please, the beam out of our eye before we go around trying to pick the motes out of other people's eyes. Hey, thank God that you're saved. Thank God that you can serve him. Thank God you have the privilege to be able to help others. But can I say this morning, listen, uh, you be that person that uh, you be thoroughly right with God and help people and love people and encourage people and be there for people and you try to help them become everything they can be for Jesus Christ. I'm saying here's some first 
First, uh, cleanse, if you will, the inside of the cup. First, give yourself to God. First, cast the beam out of your own eye. Uh, another first I gave you just a moment ago, and that is this. Uh, first, be reconciled to that brother. Let me hasten to the next one. Uh, first, uh, give God first place in your life. Give God first place. G give the first place to God. Well, what do I mean, preacher? You know, when people get saved, here's what happens. If you're not careful, you begin to give God second, give God third, give God fourth, give God fifth. And before you know it, God's not even a part of your day-to-day -day affairs. Always give God first place. Let him have first place inside of your life. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 13, here is Elijah. Elijah said unto her, talking to, if you would please, the widow woman here. He says, fear not, but go and do as thou said. Now watch what it says. Uh, make, it says me, therefore a little cake, and to bring it to me. And afterward, make, it says, for thee and for thy son. So here's the man of God, and he says, I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 14. The Bible said here that the, the Lord God of Israel, he said, the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of the meal shall not waste, neither, it says, shall the cruise of the oil. It says, until the day of the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Verse 15, 1 Kings chapter 17. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. The Bible says, and it says, she and her and her house did eat many days. Look at verse 16. The Bible says, and the barrel wasted not, neither did a cruise of oil fail. It says, according to the word of the Lord, says, which uh, he spake by Elijah. Now, you know, wait a minute. Uh, in the 12 years that we were in evangelism, we prayed and we saw God answer prayer and answer prayer and answer prayer and answer prayer. And can I tell you, we still pray and we see God doing miraculous things as God answers prayer and answers prayer and answers prayer. Well, he is the supplier. God can do that. But when is the last time that you ask God to do that? Years ago, back in 2011, Prince William married uh, Catherine Middleton. Millions of people watched it on TV as those two became husband and wife. Inside the cathedral, there was only sitting capacity for 1,900 people. They had to have a royal invitation in order to attend the royal wedding. Those 1,900 invitations were given in stylish form. The stylish form in which they were given cost $32,000 just for the 1,900 invitations to be able to watch the wedding in person. And you say, that's what I want as a, as a young lady. If I were you and you want that, you better tell your daddy now. Because <laughs> it might take him at least 60 years to save up. But that royal wedding, it was immaculate. Some of you perhaps seen it. I don't know. It was, it was uh, unusually of that which is high order and high fashion. But yet you and I are invited to a royal wedding with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we, as the Bride of Christ, we have already received our invitation. And it's going to be a wonderful, grand day when we come together at the, the Supper of the Lamb. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful day.
But you and I ought to decide that uh, what we're going to do is we're going to keep God first all the way. You know, we ought to represent him well. Can you imagine going uh, into that, which is a, hmm, a, 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 a grand door type of place, and you just, uh, we went over to be with the Palmores. They celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. They were kind enough to invite us over yesterday, and so we went over, and we celebrated. My wife and I were sitting together, and I looked at my wife, and I said, in this neat in this thing, in this fun, you know, we got to sit together and just enjoy a wonderful meal together and uh, celebrate the 50th wedding anniversary of a dear, dear, dear friend, dear couple. And I said, man, this is just, this is the cat's meow. This is just so great. And did you know when we sat at the, uh, the, the supper of the lamb, if you would please, at, uh, at the bema seat, if you will, when we uh, have that coming together, if you will, yeah, we're going to sit there and I'm going to see you and you're going to be sitting maybe at the same table. I don't know how God's going to do it, but it's going to be a wonderful time. And we're all invited. It's not something you have to be special. And by the way, church ought to be that way. Well, you know, I, I, I just don't know because uh, hmm, I just don't know if I fit in. Oh, if you're saved, my dear friend, uh, and uh, uh, you name the name of Christ and you uh, want to serve him and give him everything that you've got, can I tell you, you fit in pretty good. Amen. You see, here's what we understand. We understand here uh, that God ought to have first place in her life. First place. You know, uh, uh, the old saying many years ago, somebody made it and uh, said, what would Jesus do? Uh, that's what I would consider. What would the Lord have you to do as a wife, as a husband, as a young person? What would Jesus have you to do? I don't think he'd have you miss church. I don't think he'd have you lay your Bible down and pick up the Quran. I don't think he'd have you to go visit, if you would please, uh, some soccer league or baseball team playing on a Sunday. I think he'd have you to be faithful to the things of God. So what do you do? You keep him first. I was talking to a couple of evangelists at the Sword Conference, and, and they said, you know, you were in evangelism 12, going on 13 years, and uh, did your children ever get tired of church? I said, well, first off, I never asked them, so I don't know. We never had a come-together meeting and sat around the table and said, I'm just curious, are you tired of church? I just never crossed my mind to ask the question. But we would travel, and uh, most of the time on a Thursday or Friday, we'd have a family day, and then we'd do the other day to travel. We'd get there, go soul winning every Saturday uh, to try and help the churches, and, and then I'd preach a Monday through a Wednesday or a Monday through a Thursday. So that was every week. I mean, every week we're in church. We took two weeks off for vacation, but we were in church all the time. And somebody said, they said, Preacher, did your kids ever just kind of get, well, I'm sick of church. No, they never did. Uh, there's not one time that any of our children ever complained and said, you mean we got to go to church again? They looked at it as a thrill. They looked at it as an adventure. And by the way, Mom and Dad, you have a lot to do with that. Because right. if you're excited about going to church, oh, come on now, you come to church, and when you're in church, you ought to be excited about it too. I don't think it's right you get excited more about a ball game than you get excited about the things of God. I think in church, you, ought, you know, you go to a ball game, your kids see you, hey, you're over there, you're smiling real big, and you're just, hey, go, go, go. You come to church and fall asleep. 
I mean, come on. Yeah, if, if I were you, especially if you have kids, let your kids see you enjoy serving Jesus Christ. Amen. Let them see you. I remember we first started teaching your kids to say amen. I mean, it was something. Because, you know, they, they never could get it right. I mean, here's a guy up there preaching about heaven, and you never know when he's going to switch gears. You know how preachers are. So he's up there saying, man, heaven is good. Everybody ought to want to go to heaven. I wanted to teach the boys to say amen. So I would hit them, you know. But by the time I would hit them, he'd already switch gears. And, you know, and it, he would say something profoundly different than what he was just saying. I mean, you know, uh, something like, uh, for those of you that are, are, are glad that everybody's going to go to hell, why don't you? And they would say amen. I'm just profoundly different. The other stretch, if you would please, of the country mile. You know, what do you do? You kind of creep down. You kind of get embarrassed a little bit. Uh, now, wait a minute. Uh, what am I saying, though? But we were trying to train them to do first things for God first, to give themselves to God first. You know, and as you train people to give God first, you don't have to worry about them coming to church. I mean, that's the hottest item on the list all week long. They can't wait to get there. They can't wait to spend time with their friends. Now, I'm saying this. I'm saying uh, first cleanse the inside of the cup first. Uh, give yourself to God first. Uh, cast the beam out of thy own eye first. Be reconciled to thy brother first. Uh, give God first place. Uh, first, show piety at home. This is something I'm almost done. First Timothy chapter 5 and verse 4 of the Bible says, And if any widow have children or nephews... Let them first show piety at home and requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. Now, what does that mean, piety? It means proper honor. It means respect towards the parents. Here's a widow. Uh, she's by herself. And the Bible says, for those that are widowed, let the children, let the nephews take care of her. Uh, so what's happening here? Uh, that's showing care at home. Showing care at home. And lastly, I'll say this. First, seek the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 20, the Bible says, But lay, it says, up for yourselves treasures in heaven, that neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal. And the Bible says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Then verse 33, same chapter, Matthew uh, 6, it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God, which was their text verse, and his righteousness shall be added unto you. So what do you do? You seek first the kingdom of God. There was a man years ago, very wealthy man, uh, caused his family to be very wealthy. His name was uh, Henry Parsons uh, Crowell. Henry Parsons Crowell. Uh, he was determined as a young man that he wanted to uh, do a work for God but he never felt inclined to go into the ministry. He never felt that God called him into the ministry. But he said, I really want to do a work for God. So uh, the other way I think that I could do a work for God is just invent some things that will make a lot of money so that I can support my church and support missionaries. And so uh, he was called the cereal uh, tycoon. He invented cereal. He also had, uh, was the inventor of uh, the Quaker Oats Company. 
and uh, he became a multi-billionaire. And uh, uh, one of his greatest friends was D.L. Moody, and so he became a close friend of D.L. Moody and a supporter of his ministry and uh, supported many other ministries to the point and to the place, he said, as he grew in his wealth, he said, I just want to give God more than anybody else I know. So he started giving God 70% of his income. As he gave God 70% of his income, he saw hundreds of thousands of people coming to know Christ as Savior. And he said, but I want it to last longer than I live. And so he established a, uh, what he called the, uh, the Crowell uh, Trust Fund for evangelistic purposes around the world. You know, he's been dead for a long time now. You know that foundation still exists today? You know it still underwrites uh, I'm talking about millions of dollars, uh, making sure that the gospel is spread around the world. What's that say? That means that you can take and take care of things now, but help people to put the kingdom of God, that which is being saved, that which is getting out the gospel first, even after you're dead. Even after you're dead. We had a, a man in our church years ago at Central Baptist Church in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and uh, he really believed God called him to preach. Never will forget the story. He believed God called him to preach. And so, uh, but somebody told him, you need to go to a secular university. That way you don't make a fool of yourself and a fool of God and uh, learn how to give proper speeches. Well, he went there, and uh, as he graduated from there, he was instructed, well, maybe you need to go and you need to teach for a while uh, in a secular university to be able to help others know what you know about proper speech. And so he did that, and he did that for 30-some years. He retired. He was now in his 80s, and a very, very, very wealthy individual. And uh, uh, one day he called me by the house, and he said, Mike, he said, uh, there's a person in the state of Mississippi where we live that won the spelling bee, the national National Spelling Bee competition for the state. As a matter of fact, uh, they're going to Washington, D.C., going to meet the president. He said, I'd like for you to go and meet them, go by their house, give them, I don't know. He said, let me just write a, a, a little check. Here's the check. I, I think it's $2,000, $3,000, something like that. He said, give that to them and tell them when they get up there to witness to everybody they see. Uh, he said, I heard that they're a Christian. He said, but I'm not even sure about that. So as you go by, witness to them first. Give them a gospel track, train them a little bit, and send them on their way, and they could lead people to Christ and watch them. Wouldn't that be great? And I said, yeah, that sounds great. I got a better idea. Why don't you go? You could hand them the check personally and lead your first person to Jesus Christ. He's in his 80s. Tears begin to trickle down his face. He said, I don't know how. He said, all these years of being a Christian, I've never led anybody to Christ. I don't know how. He said, so if you would go, he said, Mike, I'm a failure. He said, man, God called me to preach many years ago, and I listened to the wrong advice. I went, laid apart my calling. He said, I'll die a miserable person. And I said, look, and I called his name. I said, I'll be glad to take your money. I'll go witness to the person. If they're saved, I'll instruct them a little bit about soul winning, how to lead people to Christ. We'll send them on their way. But you're not a failure. You're investing in somebody else. How many times have you done that? He said, I've done it hundreds of times. I said, just think of all the people that got saved because you, 
He said, but I, I'm a failure because I've never led anybody to Christ. You know, you're not working on a bus route, but that don't mean you're a failure. Those of you that sacrificially give for workers to go out, see somebody get saved, you have a part of it. You have a part of it. Choir gets up here to sing. They get up here and they, they get that, the, that song book. They open up. Somebody's got to buy that song book. You did have a part of it. You had a part of it. Those that's in the orchestra, they pick up the instruments. They sit in the chairs. They do a great job. Somebody had to buy the chairs. This week, the soundboard went out, which means no sound, which means that you'd come to church and we'd all sign language to each other. But you have a part in helping out with stuff like that. The Bible says to advance the kingdom of God. Now, and make sure that as you give, make sure that as you go, make sure that as you do your part, that you realize how important you are. Because you are important. Everybody has different personalities. Brother Bachman, we get up, no doubt, preach differently than me. Brother Poundworth, probably differently than Brother Bachman. Brother Butler, differently than Brother Palmore. Brother Craig spoke for me Wednesday night, differently probably than Brother Butler. But isn't it amazing how God uses everybody? Hello. I'm saying just keep him first. Just keep him first. As you keep him first, you'll be amazed how it turns out in the long run. Because God wants to use you. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for the privilege to be able to serve you. Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.